Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, Chris explained I was the first uh, Trust Special Administrator at South London, and uh, I'm now Chief Executive at Brighton Sussex uh, University Hospitals. Uh, anybody who thought that was going to be a holiday by the seaside, that was a mistake. But what I'm going to talk about this morning is not the nitty-gritty of what we did at <coughs> South London in specific terms, although I'm happy to take questions on that. I want to draw out some of the general themes just as by way of introduction to this uh, session. Picking up on some of the points that David and Candace have made already, just four things about why we instituted the Unsustainable Providers Regime uh, in South London. Firstly, it was, I think, widely accepted, necessarily say universally so, but I think widely accepted that a different approach was needed. South London had gone through much of the... Uh, uh, options that Candace uh, outlined and didn't resolve the situation. It did have the biggest financial deficit in the NHS. Uh, it did have significant issues of uh, utilisation of its sites, picking up the point about service change leaving uh, stranded assets, and it did have significant issues about clinical sustainability in the long term. Lots of things had been tried nothing had created a what was described as a financially and clinically sustainable situation in South London. And so something different needed to be done, and that something different was felt to be the unsustainable providers regime. I think it was also fair to say that there'd been a lot of analysis done in London. You clearly had a breakfast seminar on uh, similar issues in London more recent. But the analysis that was done by NHS London at the time suggested that the solutions in South London could not just be resolved by working smarter, uh, picking up David's point about efficiency not being the only factor. That was demonstrably the case in South London. Actually, our solution, as proposed and as accepted by the Secretary of State 11 months ago, was that efficiency uh, savings could and indeed should be the biggest part of the solution in South London, but to suggest that it was the only part would misrepresent the scale of the challenge that was faced. Another element in South London was the PFI. Um, there were two big PFI schemes in South London. Um, uh, I was involved in the national work done on that uh, from the department's perspective, uh, where we looked at about 20 schemes across the country on PFI and identified a small number where there was a financial challenge that could not be resolved locally and required some additional <coughs> national support. South London had the dubious honour of having two of those uh, PFI contracts in its trust, uh, both at Woolwich and at Bromley. They were both in the uh, six organisations, that six uh, cases that needed national support, two were in South London. And then finally, there was the unused legislation on the books uh, around unsustainable <coughs> providers that Looking at the points that I've just made and many others besides, it was felt that the unsustainable providers regime in this circumstance was the right approach to be used and therefore a case for change was made and that was instituted. And 12 months ago, almost to the day, we're what, the 10th today, uh, the 13th of December last year, we concluded consultation on the proposals for South London. That was five months after the start of the work in July um, and three weeks from this point, uh, 12 months ago, we handed a final report <coughs> to the Secretary of State. Um, our assessment, and it was myself and a, and a very big team of, of uh, people from within the service and some external support, we believe that's probably two to three years' work that we did in six months. Uh, and I'll come back to pace of change later on. That time and that focus, that pace of change, is a, is a key factor. Uh, one of the other factors, I think, in terms of the experience of being the TSA 
was about local health economy buy-in. Now, obviously, I make all my comments this morning fully aware of the situation that has resulted as the sort of conclusion in South London, which obviously was the Secretary of State accepting our recommendations, but subsequent legal uh, matters uh, and proceedings, meaning that part of those recommendations uh, haven't and uh, indeed won't be implemented in the way that they were described. So I'm fully aware of that, but I'm going to make my points more generally in any case because I think it's pertinent. To create a clinically and financially sustainable solution across a health economy, which is what we needed to do, you had to work with, we had to work with all organisations in that system. It wasn't just a situation that could be contained within South London Healthcare Trust. As David has absolutely clearly set out, just changing the management, just forcing people to work a bit harder and smarter and sharpening the pencils um, isn't going to resolve a deficit that is in the 350 million territory, which is what we were talking about. This requires a fundamental and substantial change. You can't do that within one organisation. And therefore, we had to and did engage right across the local health economy, included all organisations, commissioners and providers and local authorities. And our experience from the TSA work was that was fundamentally important to us getting a solution. The fact that subsequently... Some people didn't like the solution and argued against it, and there was a legal case that followed. Is an important point, but it doesn't detract from the fact that that local health economy solution was absolutely required in that case, and I would contend in many other cases where there is failure, just focusing it on one organisation misunderstands the complexity of what we're dealing with in the health service. I said I'd talk about pace and I think it's quite important as a key experience and learning from the TSA regime. I've described this variously as both the challenge and value of approach in terms of the time scales. So I've already said we think we did probably two to three years of NHS normal business work in six months. Now that creates real uh, benefits in terms of focus, in terms of an ability to cut through, and I think David described it, the ability to get to a solution and have a clarity that, for lots of reasons, is not always the way that these things happen in the health service. I've worked in the health service since my 21st year, clearly started whilst I was still in short trousers, uh, but 21 years in the health service, I've seen plenty of examples where this sort of work basically gets into the long grass and takes an awful long time to get out. And when it does come out, it's nothing like the clarity of message that it needs to be. This process absolutely forces a clear conclusion. Um, The objective I was given was to come up with a clinically and financially sustainable solution, not to find a way of putting a bit more resource in and hoping everything would be okay. It was actually to fundamentally design what the system could and should be going forward to make sure it's financially sustainable and clinically sustainable. Doing that with an absolute imperative of a timetable which required us to include every element of the work within an absolutely fixed timetable was both exceptionally challenging for the team doing the work, the participant organisations and the population at large in South London, a point I'll come back to shortly. Whilst it was massively challenging to all of those groups of people the freedom and the the ability of the system to demonstrate a solution at the end of that, I think is something we cannot afford to lose in the NHS. That's my uh, personal opinion. This point about it being difficult for people doing the work is is, uh, is something that I think is important to say, but not as important as actually the 
challenge that that brings to people who this is being done to, both the organisations involved, so that being the South London Trust and other participant organisations, whether that being uh, Lewisham or King's or Guy's or Oxley's, many other organisations involved. It was difficult for them, but I think the point that I really want to uh, highlight is the challenge that brings to the population. The population is not used to the NHS starting from a position of no answer and having an answer in six months' time. That is not the way the NHS uh, has communicated genuinely with with the population. And as a result, the normal mechanisms of consultation, the normal mechanisms of how you would develop a set of relationships with key stakeholders, we just couldn't and didn't do in the normal way in this regime. And as a result, people, I think, became increasingly concerned about the pace at which we were working and increasingly became uncomfortable that that meant a solution would be defined in a short period of time and their ability to connect with that work, their ability to influence that work was much less than they were used to in normal NHS public consultation processes. That was exactly, we worked exactly as we were defined. In actual fact, we did more consultation by a significant amount than we were required to do within the legislation. But the pace at which we did that meant that some of the ways that you would normally work, we didn't do. And if the regime is going to stay in some shape or form, that needs to either be changed or it needs to be better explained to the population in advance so that they are aware of what is being done, how it's going to be done, and what the implications that means for themselves. A couple of final points about the experience, and then I'm going to just do some brief comments on the uh, lessons learned. Um, There's a very important piece in here, which is aligning clinical and financial (coughs) challenges. Uh, This is not something I think can be done just from a financial perspective, because the financial perspective connects so closely to the way that the system is organised and the clinical care that is provided. If it was just a way of saying, this is about money, then you'd really be focused on things like PFI, you'd be focused on things like efficiency. It's not. It's much as much to do with the way the organisations are managed. It's also significantly about how clinical care is provided. And the changes in the way that clinical care is being provided in the NHS in my time has changed fundamentally. And I think we're at another point where there's going to be another further set of fundamental changes. So the work that Sabrice Keogh has just done on super A&Es, for example, will drive some of this debate. I am absolutely sure of it. And the trick, I think, on this sort of work is to align that financial challenge to the clinical and operational challenge and bring them together. It certainly helped us in South London to demonstrate why we were saying things. It wasn't just for the finances, although that was a burning platform. It was to ensure good quality, sustainable clinical care uh, for the long term. So, final couple of experiences. Firstly, I believe we did have a positive outcome in terms of a Secretary of State decision, which did demonstrate a clinically and financially sustainable solution. The the reality of that, of course, is that that was not uh, accepted. Uh, It was accepted by the Secretary of State. It wasn't accepted by all the stakeholders, and the resulting legal case has meant that not all of the recommendations have been implemented. That obviously concerns and upsets me as somebody who did the work, but it is the way that the system has worked, and that's what democracy is about. Sometimes you don't always get what you uh, want to through these processes. However, it does mean that there is a situation in South London that is as yet uncompleted, because there isn't a, I would suggest, a financially and clinically sustainable solution 
currently being implemented in South London. There was a bit of what we suggested that is undone, and that will require further work to be done in South London. It's not to say it can't be done, but we had a solution. Not all of it's been implemented, and we were very clear it was a connected set of, uh, of solutions uh, rather than a pick individual pieces and make it work without taking it all on together. Final point in terms of experiences, and then I'll just quickly go through some lessons learned, is this does require a not inconsiderable amount of resilience uh, to do this work, both as a team of people involved in doing it, um, uh, and as I've said before, the organisations involved and the public <coughs> at large. I think that is not a point to be misunderstood or this morning, because I think it's a major part of uh, a change in the way that we work as an NHS. So in terms of some lessons learned going forward, uh, firstly, uh, UPR does facilitate quicker decisions. It absolutely did that. We would not have got a set of decisions or recommendations that we made and a decision from the Secretary of State in six months from start to finish using any other system. I've never seen it in the health service and I suspect unless you give it an absolute focus like we did, you won't get it again. Um, so we had to go back to Parliament on certain days and if we didn't go back to Parliament on certain days, we had to go back to Parliament to ask for an extension. That's not something you particularly want to do. Um, so we absolutely made sure we hit the timescales. That brings a, a focus that I think uh, has real value. Working at pace is a benefit, but uh, everyone needs to be aware of the implications, as I've said. Thirdly, I would suggest uh, that you aim for a total solution that engages all parts of the system and not a part solution that says, let's just focus on one bit and make that okay and everything else will work itself out. I don't think with the scale of some of the uh, uh, sort of underpinning difficulties in some systems, that will be enough. It needs to be a system-wide solution. We had a system-wide solution in South London. Uh, the legal framing of the legislation meant that ultimately that was proved not to be appropriate. I believe that the legal framing of the regime going forward needs to make that absolutely clear so there can be a system-wide solution to some of these system-wide problems. I think if it doesn't do that, then it uh, has, has a potentially big gap in how this will work. I would say one of the uh, lessons learned uh, is that quite a few people during this process and subsequently have sort of alluded to me that the unsustainable provider regime might be quite a good way of them getting their situations resolved. So sort of half requesting the unsustainable provider regime into their system. My advice consistently has been don't do so. Uh, try and find a solution that doesn't require you go into the UPR um, because it is quite a blunt uh, tool. I think it has value to be a blunt tool in certain circumstances, but I don't think you want to overuse it because I think overused it will lose its impact. This needs to be a uh, occasional tool to be used in those circumstances where it's absolutely necessary, not something that should be seen as the next step along the journey to uh, sorting out issues when actually there's other ways of doing it. Because the UPR itself doesn't give you new tools and techniques, it just gives you a timetable and a focus and ability to cut through some of the delays that have occurred before. But it is quite blunt and it is quite brutal uh, in some regards and I would suggest it is used sparingly, but where it needs to be used, it's used fully uh, to find a whole health system uh, solution. Final uh, couple of points very quickly. Firstly, I had a role in South London as uh, both Special Administrator and Accountable Officer for the Trust, for South London Trust. Now that adds a complexity for the individual, but my personal view is that it's a better way of running these uh, regimes uh, because it prevents what I suspect will happen if it's done in alternative ways, and clearly we have an alternative way being tested at the moment in Staffordshire, it creates the potential, I think, of a split role of there being 
two bosses and there being the ability for lots of people in the system to try to play those two bosses against each other. Somebody being accountable for the day-to-day running the organisation, somebody being accountable for delivering a long-term solution. My personal view uh, is that bringing those two things together uh, is uh, difficult for the individual, but is actually the right way of doing it going forward. And finally, I think my uh, lessons learned would be uh, this has been a big journey for everybody in South London, and I don't underplay it at all, the uh, strength of feeling against some of the things that we recommended, and it would be ridiculous for me personally to uh, ignore those, and I have never did and, and, and won't do going forward. But... There was a situation in South London that required a big solution. This was a big solution that I believe would have uh, solved the overall uh, sustainability issues in that patch. I believe, uh, ultimately, uh, that's also going to be needed in in a number of other places around the country, and we need to make sure we have a regime that is absolutely fit for purpose and explain to people in advance uh, how this is going to work uh, so that we can address some of the underlying issues that both Candace and David have reflected on this morning.